I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She. I'm really a big believer that the key to success in anything is resiliency. So you fall down 56 times, you get up 57. And yet when we're young, we tend to think we're going to live our whole career without failing. Failure would be like the end of it, right? And failure is just a learning experience. And then you get back up and okay, you don't do that again. Although there is a high failure rate for startup companies with novel ideas, Ann Hambly's company is an exception, having been in business for 17 years. As founder and CEO of First Service Solutions, she has endured many economic cycles and made a bad partner decision from which she had to recover. Our discussion addressed topics such as taking things personally and not burning bridges. We talk about how it was early in her career as a woman in this male-dominated commercial real estate industry and the pressure to fit in and how she handled it. Enjoy this great talk with Ann Hambly. Today I'm excited to have with me Ann Hambly, who is founder and CEO at First Service Solutions. Ann and I worked in the same industry, commercial real estate, uh, for many years and have known each other for a long time, have done business together, and I consider us friends. We have a lot in common. So welcome, Ann. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate being on here, and I also consider us friends. I love our Facebook connection for one thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Share photos of grandkids. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to introduce you. You have a long bio CV, uh, but I I pulled the high points out and uh, I think I'm going to cover everything here. Um, Ann Hambly is founder and CEO of First Service Solutions, which is a company she began in 2005, some 17 years ago. Before that, she started and led many commercial real estate uh, servicing, commercial mortgage loan servicing areas of companies, Prudential, GE, Nomura, and Bank of America. She has worked in commercial mortgage loan servicing for more than 40 years. CMBS is an acronym for Commercial Mortgage Backed Securities. Ann and I are going to explain what those are in a little bit more later because it's critical to her business. These loans are originated, and throughout the typical 10-year loan term, there are a number of loan servicing issues that come up which arise for which borrowers need borrowers need help. Uh, Anne started the company seeing that there was a need and met it uh, and started the company, a borrower advocate space in commercial real estate. The company was the first to do this and since has grown to become the preeminent CMBS borrower advocate firm. Anne wrote a book, CMBS 911, with the goal of meeting an unmet need, explaining in simplistic and straightforward terms the roles, responsibilities, and motives of every individual or entity involved in the CMBS process and help commercial real estate borrowers navigate this complex system. The book has become an industry bestseller. Anne is a member of the Board of Directors of Counselors of Real Estate. Uh, This is a prestigious organization, um, and it was a prestigious position. She continues to be involved in industry leadership as a featured keynote speaker at conferences across the country, speaking on CMBS and other commercial real estate topics. In 2018, First Service Solutions was featured in William Shatner's TV show, Moving America Forward, which features entrepreneurs who have helped shape America. 
Ann Hambly is also a prolific contributor to many real estate uh, and business publications, having published over 50 articles, commentaries, and columns. In such publications, including the Commercial Observer, Globestreet.com, Mortgage Bankers Magazine, National Real Estate Investor, Real Estate Forum, and Reuters, among others, she has been called upon to provide expert reports, depositions, testimonies, and professional consulting services on many high-profile court cases. She's on the she was on the mortgage banking uh, mortgage bankers association board. I believe the only woman, um, and part of the Crefsi uh, board. I believe the only woman as well. Throughout her lengthy career, Anne has received many professional awards. Among them um, are the introduction into the Commercial Real Estate's Hall of Fame, the designation as a legend and woman of influence in commercial real estate by Real Estate Forum, named a top 10 most distinguished women in real estate by the Mortgage Bankers Association, and selected as a member of the prestigious Real Estate Roundtable and named as one of six most influential women in real estate by National Real Estate Investor, to name a few. Anne lives in Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex, and enjoys spending time with her family and her six grandkids. So welcome again, Anne. Thank you, Susan. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot there. You've been around a while, yeah. so have I. So I, yeah, yeah, pretty impressive. I know how hard you've worked um, and you've got a great Thank reputation. You. Thank you. I appreciate that. But as I said, we, you and I have known each other a long time. I was in commercial mortgage banking uh, for many years and I originated many CMBS loans. Um, I think I was thinking the years were around 99 or so when they were still developing. They came out in 94, 95, and they only did multifamily and they charged two points. If you remember, they go way back to that time. Um, mm -hmm. And yep. I, I did them through 2007. And so you and I worked together on a number of transactions with my clients and they loved you. They loved your company and they were very helpful to, uh, you were very helpful to them. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to explain. I'm going to turn it over to you, ask some questions, but I wanted to explain to listeners and have you add anything that I am not explaining, you know, well, or I've left out because I worked in this business, you work in the business. So for our listeners, many of them are not in commercial real estate, but you know, many are, um, but CMBS again, is an acronym for commercial mortgage-backed securities. And these are commercial real estate loans on all property types, retail, multifamily, industrial, hotel, located you know throughout the country, which are originated and placed together in large loan pools and then sold off to investors. The risk levels are tranched, but not to get too much in the weeds. After these are originated, there is a 10-year loan uh, term period in which things come up on the properties, CMBS loan structures, lease approvals, workouts, loan workouts, assumptions, and these can be really complex instruments and there are many levels of approval. And since Anne was in servicing for so many years, she knew the players and she knew how to get things approved and done quickly. So that, that's where I think you played 
a huge role. And you started this company in 2005 when we were still originating a lot of them. So, but borrowers were realizing that, boy, you know, what are these things, you know, and, and how do I get through the process? So talk about, you know, anything I've left out, talk about what your company does and how you saw a need here. Yeah. Well, yeah, the number one, you summarized it actually, of course, perfectly. The other part to add is when you have, uh, when you as an owner, you know, get a loan from, let's say your firm, Susan, and you get a loan and maybe you uh, weren't focused on the fact that it was a CMBS loan at the time, or maybe it even wasn't at origination. You tend to think if I have a problem later on, or I need my lease approved or COVID hits, I can call my banker, Susan, and I can have a conversation with her and, you know, we can work it out or we can figure things out. What people don't realize is CMBS, there's zero connection to your banker or your origination person or, or any relationship for that matter. So once the loan is sold, you now have all these new parties that you're working with, Wells Fargo and a special servicer you've probably never heard of and, and all these people. And sometimes you're just trying to get a lease approved to get, put a tenant mm-hmm. in, like you said. And all of a sudden now there's all these other people in your life that have to approve that have no you have no relationship with them they don't necessarily care about you they're looking out for the best interest of the bondholders so cmbs just because of the structure is a a non-borrower friendly product and it just it's not complicated it really isn't but you do have to understand how to maneuver through it to get something done so just like i hire you know i don't know if you do but I don't dare do my own taxes. I hire a firm, a lady that I know very well that does a great job. This is what she's been doing. And I have her do my taxes and I get a lot better outcome than if I tried to go buy TurboTax and do my own taxes. Same kind of thing. So when you're in CMBS, if you just let somebody help you that live their life there and knows the rule book, you'll get a better outcome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's that's really what we do. Yeah, it's a great it's it's a great company, great concept, and it it worked. I mean, um, I originated many CMBS loans during that time. These were and and the reason they were originated is because the loan terms were the best. And traditionally, long term fixed interest rate, non recourse, and and the borrowers don't guarantee the loans uh, were provided by life insurance companies for many years. But during this time, 97 through 2007, conduits dominated the originations because of the loan terms. The interest rates were so low. The loan to value was so high. And that's why my borrowers, why borrowers like them. Mm-hmm. But they didn't realize and I didn't realize what they were really getting into. What, what would happen during the loan term, they thought they'd call me and say, okay, we need to do this, need to do that. And, and they were met with you know, some things took time. No, we can't do that. So that's where, you know, that's where you came in. Yeah. It's the borrowers describe it as the black hole. You know, I send Mm -hmm. something in and then I have no idea what's going on, you know? Um, Yeah. And um, it's funny because uh, you and I can relate to this having birthed a few children. Yes. After I had my first one, 
I remember vividly saying, I will never do that again on that day. <laughs> never. And the, the nurse patted me on the shoulder and she said, honey, everyone says that you'll be back. You know, and I thought, no, no, I'm never doing this. <laughs> and of course, two years later, I was in having my second one. But people do that with CMBS. Their first experience with CMBS is I am never. I, I hear yeah. that 10 times every day. Never doing another CMBS loan. And then they get the, the terms in, in the you know, here's your options for a new loan. And they go, well, you know, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> I know. I so, know. Yeah. 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 I had a couple of, I, you know, I'm retired from the industry now, as you know, and, but I had a couple of borrowers that said, Susan, don't even say CMBS to me. Yeah. You know, never right. again. I will never go through that again. Um, yeah. But you did help uh, some people get lease approvals uh, during the downturn. You know, we got some concessions on loan uh, balances and things like that. So, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's a really interesting company and, and you, it was a risk, right? You were, you, you'd had all this experience mm-hmm. being in servicing, you saw a need and you started the company and just uh, talk about that, how you started the yeah. company, you know, and what. Well, let me. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you about the need. It was kind of interesting because it really happened to me. I would have almost had to been blind to not have seen the opportunity to create this firm. So I'm sitting in my job at Prudential, uh, the CEO of servicing. And as we all know, in any company, when an owner, a borrower would call the CEO, they were not generally real happy, right? Right. right. (laughs) So they'd call me because there was a problem with something and I would look into it and get the problem solved. I mean, that's what your job is, Mm -hmm. right? And so people would started calling me as I had that job from 2000 to 2005. In about 2003, I started having people call me and say, okay, my loan is not with Prudential. My loan is with Pick a Firm, Midland. Right. Yeah. Who can I call that's like you at Midland that can help me maneuver through this process? And I would tell them, oh, that's, you know, Stacy Berger. And it was, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would connect them to Stacy Berger and then they would get that done. And then they'd call me another day and say, okay, my loan now, I have a loan now and it's with uh you know, LNR, who do I call there? And I would tell them. And I started realizing I'm being paid by Prudential, but I'm spending about 10% of my time helping owners that are, have nothing to do with Prudential. So I went to my boss at the time, Dave Twardock at Prudential, and mm-hmm. I said, you know, here's what's happening. And CMBS definitely has uh, a need for someone like this. Um, here's a new business model why don't we create that? And he said, well, it's kind of a conflict for Prudential, but it's a good idea for you to start that. And I thought, well, first, it's kind of like your, it was a little bit of a, I thought, well, so does that mean you don't want me anymore? Mm. <laughs> I, I had to go through that in my head first. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, someone needs to do it. And I first thought like we all tend to do someone, not me, but someone else needs to do that. Right. And then eventually I was talking to a good friend of mine in the industry, Mike Lipson, you probably yes. remember him mm-hmm. too, from head of GMAC. And he said, look, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it because someone needs to do this business. And I thought, all right, who better than me? So I left my corporate career, mm-hmm. you know, which was comfortable. Uh, you you worked yourself to death, but it was a comfortable in that you got a regular paycheck and you're paid well and uh, you know all that right? right i left all that and i created my my firm for service solutions mm-hmm. not knowing at all if anybody would pay for the service how it would work out it's huge risk huge risk 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we hear that companies that form new ideas, like build a you know build a mouse trap that nobody's had before, right? Yeah, uh, the failure rate is really high. If you open oh, yeah. a business to compete with something that's already proven to be done, the risk of failure is much lower. So you just you created something new, um, and and so the risk was you know pretty high. high. But, but you you saw it, and how many people yeah. see things like see a company that needs to be started, something needs to be done, and they think about it, think about it, but they just can't make the change. You know, walk away from all the benefits and high pay. Of a corporation, but you you did it. Right. What would you say to young women out there that might be in their careers? Uh, maybe they've gone through COVID. They're like disenchanted by the corporate job, and mm -hmm. they may want to start something they're passionate about or motivated to do. What would you say? Well, two a uh, bunch of things, but let yeah. me first say in this firm. So in two thousand five, when I created it, uh, we were at the height of the market uh, origination, as yes. you know, originations yes. in six and seven. Oh, I yeah. was doing assumption expediting. So I was in the performing side of the business. We did great. That's what we were doing. I, I just, the company grew like a hockey stick rate. And then 08 happened. And yes. guess what? Uh, my business failed. Okay. I'm going to put that in air quotes, but it, it would have failed. There was nothing for me to do that right. I was doing before, except I pivoted to, okay, now people need help with something else. What do I do when I can't make a payment? I can pivot. But if I had not, I would have shut the company down and tried that as a good experience and it would have failed, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to talk a little more about failure throughout yes. this. But, <laughs> but I, I think what I tell people, I, I, this is my uh, yardstick that I use when I'm going to do something, anything almost, Okay, I ask myself, what is the worst thing that could happen if you do it and it doesn't work out? So I'm sitting at my prudential job and I thought, what is the worst thing that could happen to me? Well, the worst thing that could happen is I try it. It doesn't work out. It, it doesn't, for whatever reason, it doesn't work. Oh, I could go get another job, right? That's right. It's not, I mean, it, it, my life's not over. I'm not, I'm not jumping out of an airplane with no parachute. The worst thing that could happen is not that bad, right? Right. So- I'm going to try it. And I also enter things with not, it's almost like, uh, I've heard people even enter a marriage where they, and I'm not, this is not about that, but where they say, well, if it doesn't work out, we can just, we'll just get divorced. Well, then you will get divorced, right? Because right. there will be times, right? right where, so I didn't enter this thinking, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just get another job. I entered it thinking it will, I'll make it work. I You'll make I it work. But if it doesn't, I'll you've got a fallback, right? If it yeah, but doesn't my life's not over? No, I'll have learned yeah. something. Yeah, I think that's the so biggest. So that's my myth. yardstick. I think that that's the biggest thing that for anyone that is thinking about starting a company, woman, man, that they get in their own way. Like this is going to be really bad if I fail. You know, well, you're not going to die. You know, I don't think you're going to die. Right. You're, you, you've got a fallback. For me, when I got into mortgage banking, everybody said, "What are you doing? You're a lender. Now you're in mortgage banking. That's a that's a bad move." And I thought. I can always go back to lending if I don't like it. It doesn't work right. out. So, but it's scary. Exactly. It's, uh, you, you know, somebody told yeah. me there is water in the pool, Susan, do it, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I do. But um, yeah, I think um, there are women out there that are frustrated that have gone through COVID sitting at home doing Zoom calls and their kids are home and 
they're disenchanted and that's why a lot of them have 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 left their their companies you know and there's a right. start rate of women-owned businesses that's pretty high right now yeah so that's great and i yeah i think the key is you know really it's just take a risk if the if the downside is not death you yes, know if, if you're right. not gonna blow something up yeah uh, take take the risk yeah and um and and don't be afraid and then commit to it once you do it don't enter it tentatively and think oh i don't know you know right Right. you just gotta like you said jump in the pool there is water if you can swim you're not gonna drown and just do it right yeah Yeah. and i started a company and i i was nervous but and i'm fearful and that drove me to make sure that i did what i needed to do to make it a success but you talked about 2008 and 9 those were really tough years i mean this our business, mm-hmm. commercial real estate, has many economic cycles. Interest rates go up, recession happen, the market goes down. 2004 through six, those were really good years. And I had myself talked into, this is going to be like this forever, even though I'd been through plenty mm-hmm. of cycles, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but 09 was the worst year for me in my business. Um, and I had to do other things like you say, pivot. I did, I sold tax credits. I did consulting, you know, to cover overhead, cover mm-hmm. payroll. I didn't have to let anybody go, um, but we we had a change. You have to, as they say that, you know, somebody moved my cheese, you know, who moved my cheese, yeah. that book. Mm-hmm. And yeah. somebody moved our cheese. Now we can keep trying to say, well, I want to do it this way, like we've always done. You can't if you want to succeed. What would you say about that? Well, a couple of things. One is um, I've had, I've heard someone, um, well, um, first of all, let me start out and say my company, which I didn't know when I started it, wound up being counter cyclical. So my best Mm -hmm. years were your worst years, right? Because where I make the most money is when people need help because they can't make their payment. Mm -hmm. So 08, 9, 10 wound up being an incredibly good uh, couple of years for my firm. Um, it's not good for the economy. I get it, but it was good for my firm. And then my, my down years, if you will, were staying relevant when there's nothing exciting going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then COVID hit. Yes. Wow. And right. we were like, could barely keep up with all the volume. And we're, and I think we're on the precipice right now of another large swell in our business. So our business is counter cyclical. So that's kind of the first thing to say, um, but you have to absolutely find ways to stay relevant to your to your customers through all kinds of cycles in our business. Mm-hmm. And so when you see the first thing that I have to explain to a banker or anyone that looks at my financials for 17 years says, oh, my God, because nothing's <laughs> steady. It's like a roller coaster. Up, yeah. down, up, yeah. down, yeah. down. And I think, don't you know how to manage this stuff, right? Yeah. And you yeah. just realize we're in a very cyclical business. And I, like you, thought things at times, th- nothing will ever change. And But sure enough, like every kind of, t- I was in the 08, the, the 88 RTC takeover of savings and loans, which oh, yeah. created oh, CMBS. Yeah. So I, I went through the 88, 98, 08, and then now we're entering what I think was going to be the 18-ish. Mm-hmm right recession but covid delayed it and here we are coming up on something like that yeah yeah Yeah. rtc back in the 80s was the resolution trust corporation and it helped the failed snl uh savings and loan industry and uh for the first time that was the first really 
conduit CMBS, right? They put all yeah. these, mm-hmm. you know, failed loans together and sold them off. And they thought, you know, Wall Street thought, hey, we got something here, you know, let, let's yeah. do this, uh, you know, right. with all commercial loans. And that's how it started. That was the first successful CMBS, yeah. right? And and I was the head of servicing for the group that put that together. So I, that's how I got into mm-hmm. CMBS. Just I had to figure it out, you right. know, on the spot when things started happening. I didn't, you know, so we, we made it all up as we went. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Lay track, yeah. lay track as you go. Right. And Absolutely. Train. Absolutely. Um, you and I got in the business about the same time I began my, you may be, you may have gotten in a little earlier, but I began my career in 1980 after graduating from college. Um, and, and I've seen a lot of changes around, you know, what it's like to be a woman in a male dominated business, how I dressed out, how, how I, behaved, how I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, handled myself in meetings, you know. So when it comes to men and women, male-dominated industry like ours is, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. terribly male-dominated, not as much as it was back then. You know, many times yeah. I was just the only woman all the time. Uh, but talk mm-hmm. about what you've seen since in early in your career as compared to now. Yeah. Well, it is. It's really funny. And and kind of getting ready to have this um, uh session with you, I, I thought back a little bit. I, I kind of was surprised myself again when I look back at how it was. Um, but e- even, I mean, even so far as probably you had this too, but when I was in, I think it was junior high, we weren't allowed to wear pants. I mean, women couldn't <laughs> wear pants. You had to wear a skirt or a That's dress. Right. And I think about, gosh, think of where we've come, right? Oh. Um, I know there were many, many times on out for me, it worked out I think it was easier for me to be the only woman in a male dominated industry because I have all brothers. I grew up around all boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I happen to have all boys. Um, I just didn't notice as much if I were the only woman in a group of boys, right? Because that's just yes. kind of how I lived my life. But sometimes people would bring it to my attention and say, does, how does it feel to be the only woman at this table? And I would think, oh, yeah, I had to look around. Oh, yeah, I am, right? And I didn't, I didn't feel it as much as I think some people would have, but I was very cognizant of the fact that I couldn't stick out. I couldn't be, I couldn't cry. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. do any of the typical female things I would, I would normally do for fear that you would stick out. So I, I think you had to work harder to kind of blend in um, because you already were sticking out just by your sheer, yeah. you know, by by your sheer gender, right? Right. You didn't have to do anything to stick out. Yeah. I I, I don't know if you have this case, but for me, I, I have so many people. This is going to sound self-serving, and I don't don't mean it that way at all. I'm mm-hmm. actually a very modest person, but I have a lot of people today that say, "Oh my God, I remember you vividly from, you know, when we worked together in 1992," and I think. Uh, I, I wish my memory was that good, but then I realized, yeah, but I know why, because I was the only female in the whole, right. They re- it's easier to remember yeah. me because I didn't belong, if you will. Right? <laughs> right. You know, those books, what doesn't belong. Right. It was always that. Yeah. Like, probably like you were. Yeah. yeah. Well, I felt yeah. like an outsider a lot, but I was yeah. always, I always knew I belonged there, even yeah. though maybe there were times I wasn't treated like I belonged there. Um, and I, I think I gathered from some of things, the research I've done, is that you were like me. Back back in the, and I want to hear what you th- think about this, yeah. back in the 80s and probably part of the 90s, 
because I was one of the only women on the golf course with the guys, only woman, you know, going out after dinner and having drinks, I would drink with them. I would smoke cigars. Mm -hmm. I would play golf. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that I could kind of be like one of the guys, like they would look at me and say, yes, she's a woman, but look, she'd like smoke cigars. She plays golf. You know, she, she's one of the guys. And yet I still embraced what I would call my own femininity, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know what I'm saying? What would you, what would you say Uh about that? I would say the exact same things you said, because I, I was in, I, I debated saying this today now and i'm gonna leave names out because i don't yes do that i don't want anyone to get in trouble (laughs) stories are good i mean if you've got something yes yeah i got an incredible story i was sitting at a board meeting i'm not going to even talk about which one it was or anything i was the only female there and apparently they had this tradition which i didn't i didn't know about and they they got this big uh silver bowl thing out and i'm not i'm kind of watching in fascination of what it is we're going to be doing right yeah i'm kind of getting nervous because i i have no idea what this is (laughs) They pour a bottle of vodka in, in the, yeah. you, you might even have heard some of these, right? Okay. And they pass it around and everyone has to take, well, the whole idea is everyone takes a drink out of that. Right? Out, of That's a, out of the bowl. Out of the bowl. Okay. That was sort of the, uh, what do you want to call it? The initiation. Hazing. hazing of- the hazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I love wine, but I did. I didn't drink straight vodka then. I, I probably since could do that. But yeah, I, I didn't drink straight vodka then. What's entering my mind is I'm going to get all their germs. Well, but maybe the vodka kills it. You know, all those things are running through my head. <laughs> what am I going to do when it comes to me? Oh my God! Right? And yeah. And in my internally, I'm feeling all that. And you know what I did when it came to me? And I think every guy there was watching that. Yeah. I took a drink. I passed it on like no big deal. Now I didn't want to do it. It wasn't something I would have ever done. I have smoked cigars with men too, even though I detest smoking cigars. I mean, it wasn't too bad, but I don't do it on my own, but I smoked cigars with men. I definitely did exactly what you did, which is which what you described it perfectly. I, I blended in. I did what they did. I, I got along with them just as if I were one of the guys, mm-hmm. but I never gave up the fact that I was, uh, I was a, a female. I, yeah. I think you still need to be feminine. Mm-hmm. But not say, oh, no, I, I can't. I'm not doing that or Ugh, stinky right. or that's, right. you know, right. I think that's when you don't find uh, you don't the men aren't comfortable having you there. And I that almost sounds like we're today. This sounds funny to people. Mm-hmm. People in their 20s or 30s are probably thinking, what are they nuts? They should have reported this. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it just wasn't, I know it wasn't done. Yeah, and- right. And, you know, if you're going to like be, you know, if I said something or did something, I would have been labeled a troublemaker and not belong, you know. Right. So I did go along. And and today you probably would say, hell, I'm not I'm not drinking from that thing. You guys are disgusting. You know, right. You would say it today because you've earned your stripes. I mean, I think that's where the difference is. If you're 20 years old, I guess when we came out 20, 22 or whatever, you're going to kind of try to go along. You're trying to earn your stripes. But. You know, as yeah. you develop you your career and you develop your reputation and you don't need to do those things that disgust you, you know, you can choose to do other things, right? hundred percent. hundred percent. I am not funny. I was talking to my, uh, my youngest son um, is, is in my company, Nick Johnson. It, mm-hmm. it, I love the fact that we work together. Um, he, uh, 
said to me one day, I've never met anyone more confident than you, mom. I wish I could be as confident as you. And I said, you know what, Nick, if only you had known me when I was 30 or 40, I wasn't that confident, right? You get more confident with time because like you said, you've earned your stripes. You just, I don't know. I don't know what happens, but you're less worried about if you're fitting in or not. It's, there's a whole bunch of things that happen, but but you're right. When you're later on, when you're confident, you can do what you want to do and mm-hmm. not do what you want to do and you'll be accepted. But but when you're trying to fit in, it probably still holds true today. When you're trying to fit in and you're the op and you're the only, you know, you're kind of the outsider, you sort of have to blend in in order to get to get, to get ahead, by. Yeah. And it to sounds by, like yeah. we're being compromising our values or something. And maybe no. we did. I don't know. I don't no. like cigars. I know they're unhealthy, yeah. but you know, I did it for the yeah. shock value. And then for a while I liked them, but you know, yeah. it was, it, it was different back then. I don't feel like I'd need to do it today, but I was just right. wanting to be one of the guys so I could be successful, accepted and they dominated it, you know, um, yes. they dominated the industry. So yeah, I just, uh, we did what we did and One of my best friends today, and it's funny, I, I said, we we don't see each other all that often, but when, you know, those kind of friends where you do see each other, it's like, you never missed a beat. Right. Right. I, I met her because we were at, uh, I think it was Crefcy way back in the early Mm nineties. It wasn't, it was called CSSA or something. Then we went into, there was a break. There's a mile long line at the men's bathroom. There's me and her in the women's bathroom. And she came out and said, you know, we might as well meet each other because, you know, so we did. And we became really good friends yeah. because it was it was just funny that we were the only two, you know, the only two women there. Right. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. A, made me think of that. Always yeah, find yeah. a stall, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and this kind of a segue to this, you and I share this that, you know, you talk about the lack of confidence early on and um, that uh, you and I share this, that for for throughout my career I took things personally I didn't look at things logically and business-wise always Um, when decisions are made clients choose another path things aren't going your way it's hard not to take it personally you know and just talk about that and what advice you would give to you know anyone listening about taking things personally yeah, I, I, that's the, I don't know why I, I'm glad, happy to hear you say that you did it too, because you tend to feel when you're the one taking things personally, that you're the only one doing that. Mm-hmm. But I used to take a lot personal. I, I, I just felt like everything that was happening at a younger age in my life, everything that was happening was sort of happening to me. I don't know why. I mean, it, it's, it sounds funny to say that now. Um, but like you said, even in business, if another person got promoted or you got called in to be talked about about something, because um, we aren't, you know, we aren't perfect, or a client shows somebody else, it's hard not to take it personal. And I yeah. fought with that my entire career. Um, and I had a boss that called me out on it often. And the more he'd call me out on it, the more it would make it worse. Cause then I really feel, you know, yeah. I had to fight back, like not crying. Oh, oh, I know. I know. Um, oh, yeah. great. And then I don't know what happens, but you start realizing as you get older, there's just something that starts happening and you realize, you know what? It is not, it isn't about me. Right. I mean, these things that are happening are not happening to me. One person told me this and it was when I was about, 
I don't know, I was probably in my 50s and I wished I had thought of it earlier. Maybe this will help somebody watching this. He said, you know what? Yes, and it's raining outside and you're going to get wet, but it's not a rainstorm directed at you. So when you're going to go in a situation where you think you might get wet, yeah. put on your raincoat, right. put on your slickers, get an umbrella out, you know, in your mind, right. walk in with all that protection and try not to get wet. It's not directed at you. And I vividly would do that in my head. Okay, I'm going to come surround myself with protection right yeah so when i go in this situation it won't affect me as much and i could i could get there by doing that and now it's just natural now i i don't think i take any i mean mm-hmm. by this age in my life i don't take much personal it's, at all we're, so we're too old for we're we're battle tested <laughs> but, scarred. yeah like, whatever we're, right? we've been yeah, through yeah, it yeah. there's no point in taking it personally <laughs> yeah. now but no. somebody somebody right. said a similar thing to me they said susan the wind is blowing it's not blowing at you you know yeah, yeah, like, but it's messing up my hair. Yeah, yeah, it's like, wait a minute, it is blowing at me. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, question for you. I wonder if you have ever hired anyone, partnered anyone with anyone which in which it was a mistake, oh. and talk about what happened and what did you learn. Oh, boy. I didn't know you were going to ask me that. Yeah, I, I made <laughs> one of the worst mistakes of my career, literally, happened here at first service solutions mm-hmm. i um i was at, in a growth mode i needed some money i have been the only capital provider for this company other mm. than this one instance wow so well, this person came in and uh came in meaning visited my shop and said hey i'd love to be partner with you i i, I could contribute some money and uh, you know and i i bought into sort of the high of the moment Things felt so good, and it was just—it was almost like getting married at first sight. And, oh, what could go wrong? And I'm very trusting by nature, and yeah. that's definitely been something I've had to think about throughout my life. You know, don't just blindly trust everyone, um, but naturally, I trust people. And so I trusted them. We signed a mutual agreement, partners for life. Everything was wonderful, and then quickly afterward, it wasn't, mm-hmm. and I had to you know, hire a lawyer to get them out. I had to pay them off. And it it it, it, it just about devastated. I mean, it, it probably in hindsight, I should have filed bankruptcy then mm. as a company. But instead, I gathered as much money as I could, paid them off, and then I've been and worked on digging out that hole for a long time since. So that was my mistake. What I would say in, uh, in hindsight, because I'm not sure if I was going to give guidance to someone Mm -hmm. i would say just like you would normally in a relationship although my marriage is very different i have to tell you that story second secondly but i would say work together for a little while see the good the bad the ugly like live together for a little bit before you partner Um, with someone before you partner in a legal contract i'm not saying that in a relationship but in a business relationship i think you have to Mm -hmm. so that's funny that you asked that that was one of my biggest Biggest failures. I don't regret it. I learned a lot through it. I wouldn't change it in hindsight, but uh, I would always try to prevent someone else from doing that. So before you give away a part of something you worked to build, right? Um, be very, you know, be very sure. Uh, yeah. I would just do it cautiously. Yeah. Funny story about my husband. Let me just share this yeah. with you. I met him. Uh, I met him a week later. We were engaged. Two months later, we were married, oh and we've been God. happily married thirty-six years. So. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> now you see my style. I wow. Know. He's so like, it you know, in the relationship. <laughs> hey, if it works, just, just jump out. There is yeah. water in the pool. Oh my gosh. Right. Oh my gosh. That is funny though, right? Yeah. yeah. That is so, funny. And that's good I, that you are still together. That's pretty impulsive. I, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great yeah, story. Know, right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the, I remember the story with the, I knew I kind of set you up for this question, but yeah. I, I remember yeah, the, yeah. the person yeah. and of course no names here. And one instance I remember there was I was part of a peer. I've been part of several peer groups and I was part of a peer group and we met you and met him. Yes. And you may not remember this, but we were all sitting there. And he, he, he asked me to move my seat at the table. He said, I would like you to move and sit over here so I can talk to, you know, talk to you guys in, mm. in this way. And it offended me and it offended yeah. my associates. And I'm like, Oh boy! Yeah, who is this guy? <laughs> who is yeah. this guy? And yeah, and I'm wondering how long he's going to last with Anne. I was I was a little yeah. nervous for you because I thought this is <laughs> yeah. this is who this guy is. Yeah. So yes, I so I did I did what I did in my marriage. Um, I wound up meeting him, thinking what a great fit. Just yeah. you know, did everything right away, and then very shortly thereafter thought. Same thing with you. It was like, oh, now what do I do? And it, yeah. it was a, it was a tough battle. Yeah. So yeah, every everybody that met him, uh, I can tell you, almost everybody called me and said, "What are you doing? I right. mean, what in the world?" Right. Okay, but but I'm stuck then, right? You were so, stuck. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I have had uh, good partners. I have had bad partners, and I think there is a tendency for was for me. We're t we are natural optimists as entrepreneurs. And mm -hmm. it's just like you want to see all the good and the things that are going to work, and this is going to be great, and you want to believe mm -hmm. what they say. And yes. and and when you look back, you think, I saw this stuff. I, I knew it, I know. you know? Yep, yep. But my instincts, my gut was talking to me, and I did not listen. You know, I wanted yes. to just see the good. And I think that's natural, don't you? I do. I do. And I agree that it comes from being an optimistic you know, yeah. looking optimistically and tending to see the best in everyone. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's easy in a business setting uh, more. So I think if you're the owner and you're the owner of a company, this was in the 08, 9, 10 downturn, yep. that's making good money for someone to take advantage of you. And that's the thing that we don't naturally uh, tend to think about people. Right. Mm -hmm. I, and I think that's probably, I hate to say it, but it's, it is almost more applicable with women than I think, men, I think, I, right? I think yeah. so. Well, we, I hate to make broad brush statements, yeah, but I've seen it. I think we presume goodwill. We want to tr – I'm not a very trusting yeah. person, but I wanted to trust uh, my yeah. partner. You know, I wanted to believe that he would do what he said, and I was not looking at all the signs. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot so that the only partner I want from here on out in my life is my husband. <laughs> that that yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Right, so. right. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, talk about burning bridges. You talk about, you know, yep. you don't burn bridges. You know, our industry, commercial real estate is, you know, it's a big industry. Thousands of people work in it, but it is a relatively small kind of a fraternity um, have you burned bridges? What would you tell people about that? I, I can honestly say other than the, this ex-partner where I torched the bridge on purpose, I, I, I don't, I don't burn bridges. I'm very good about not doing that. Um, 
And I think that has been, I would say that's probably one of the biggest um, reasons I can be successful today. Because if you think about it, so all the servicers that I'm talking to today on behalf of owners are all in essence people I have worked with Mm -hmm. in, in one way, shape or form directly or indirectly over the course of my career, had I burned bridges with them, I wouldn't be able to do this job today. And probably one of the most important examples of why you should never burn a bridge happened to me. And I, it was, I, I think, so I was a GE and I had an employee and she kept talking to me about where she wanted to go with her career. And she wound up going to work for one of the rating agencies. And so, uh, and Stephanie Potosa, you've probably heard her name. Mm, Wonderful lady. I love her. Um, So she worked for me at GE. Then I went, I got recruited by Ethan Penner to start up a servicing shop with from Nomura Nomura, Mm -hmm. from scratch. Yeah. I go over and I start the servicing shop. I call up Fitch to get rated and Mm -hmm. Stephanie Potosa is going to come rate me. (laughs) I thought if there's ever a reason why you don't burn bridges, this is it. Right. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. I've had 150 examples of things like that, which I'm sure right. you have too. And that's the big, I think that's right. one of the key things. Yeah. Don't burn bridges. Relationships are important. Right. And I probably burned, you know, a few too many over the, over time, but I have learned that it comes back to you and, or it doesn't come back to you. And so it's, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to a young woman in our industry, which is so male dominated or any other industry in which she's one of the few women how do you thrive in your career? What what tips do you have? Probably a summary of the things we've talked about, which is, um, uh, I would say, again, don't burn bridges. Uh, do your best to get along, even if it feels like you're having to do something that's a little not what you're normally used to. You know, if, mm-hmm. if normally you, I don't know, there's plenty of good examples, but fit in if possible um don't be afraid take risks all those might sound counter but they're not right right um don't burn bridges and uh and don't take things personal i think you got it made right yeah that's that's a lot of master those things yeah now unfortunately you can't master that earlier usually but if the the feedback i give if, if people say name one or two things the two things i always say is don't take things personal Right. Which is hard to do. Yep. And don't burn bridges, which is yep. hard. Everything else you can learn, I think. Those yep. are the two things. Yeah. You got to be smart. I mean, this isn't brain surgery yeah. or industry, but you do have to be smart. You do have to be hardworking. You do have to get along oh, yeah. with people. But um, yeah. And then you ask for the opportunities and you take the risk that you're good enough. If somebody's recommending you, if you want to do something, it's take the risk, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I never, that's another good point. I never, ever turned down an opportunity in my whole career because I didn't feel like I knew enough to do the job. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I didn't. Yeah. I always knew I would rise to the occasion. And so if I was offered, I'd learn it. Now, if I was asked to be an IT person, I might say, okay, I'm, I'm not the person, (laughs) no, if it's way out of my skill set, but I mean, if it's somewhere in your skill set, you can learn it, you know? Nobody knows it all. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were like me. You were a working working mom through your career. Um, yeah. What would you say to women who want to have a successful career uh, and family too? And of course, we don't ask men this question. But what are the, what do you think the <laughs> yeah. keys are? Well, you know, I, I 
I thought about that and I thought, okay, I, I'm probably not a fair person to give an opinion on this, but I'll tell you what I did in hindsight that worked, worked out wonderfully for me. Okay. And I know for, you know, probably you were, you might've been a little bit later in your life when you had mm -hmm. your kids. I had mine. You, you were early. Yeah. I was, I was thinking yeah. I was 27 and 32 when I had mine. Yeah. So I, I had mine right out of high, really I, I right out of school. I had 21 and 23. So by 23, I had two, oh, my two sons. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I did is I had to juggle work with raising kids, which, which I have some advice on that, mm -hmm. but I, but I can't imagine having to do what I do now and having to raise kids other than I did raise two of my grandkids. And I don't know if you even knew that, but, no. but two of my grandkids I raised for about 10 years. Oh boy. And okay. the youngest of those just moved out about three weeks ago because he graduated from high school and oh, moved wow. out. So I had to go through another round of uh, raising kids. It is so much harder in this, in this stage of a career yeah. because you're so mentally consumed with yeah. what you do. When, when my kids were young, 21 and 23, I had a job. Yes, but it ended at five and I could go home and I didn't, right. I didn't have the career I have today. So yeah. uh, that helped me a lot, but, but knowing, having raised my grandkids, um, for 10 years of their life, I mm. can say that what I tried to remember to do, and I didn't do it very well. So this is advice I probably didn't follow myself is we tend to be wishing or thinking we're not. So if I'm with the kids, I would think, oh, I, I, I should be working on this other thing at work. If I'm at work, I'm thinking, ah, I should be home with the kids. Right. Yeah. And you always tend to hit yourself over the head for yeah. not being the place you're not. Right. right. I think if we could just be fully present, I mean, it's easier said than done, fully present where we are when we're there, it would be much, much easier. Yeah. And that's kind of my only, yeah, only I, input there. I, I think yeah. that's true. I mean, back when we were, you know, and this was the eighties and early nineties that my kids were born, it's kind of like there was the mommy track and then there were the women that chose to stay home and and not not work outside the home uh, and then there were the people that didn't and there was kind of like it was two camps back then mm -hmm. and uh, there was a lot of guilt um yes. you know maybe internal guilt by me and then guilt and you know sort of talked about for people women who you know somebody else is raising your kids well you know that's not true um, right. But that is right. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, a lot of guilt, but, uh, yeah, just stop, be where you are and not, not, uh, want to be someplace else. It's easier said than done. And, um, you know, having a good partner doing at least half of what has to be done that helped me, yeah. you know, get through it. That's for sure. Yeah. I was a single, um, oh, parent, single you, parent. I didn't single parent that. for three okay. years uh, when the kids were pretty young and that, okay. that was, that was the way you live through that is you just get up every day and you do it because you have to do it and you yeah. just keep getting up every day and doing it. Right? right. So whenever, whenever I've seen this on Facebook, sometimes I think it's kind of good, but it's like when people ask you like, how do you do what you do? The answer was, I didn't know I had a choice. Yeah. You just, you <laughs> just get up and do it. Right. You and, just get up and do it. Right. Yeah. And, and only when you aren't doing it, you stop and go, phew, that was, that was, that was and tough, you look right? back, you yeah. look back and say, how did I do it? But yeah. gosh, single mom, right. Raising a couple right. of grandkids. I mean, you're a, you're a saint. You, you, no. <laughs> and no. you, it's amazing. You just do what you have to do, Susan. That's right. I'm sure. I, I you understand. Know, you, you pray you never 
are in that position. I always do. But if you are, you'd probably wind up doing the same thing I did. Right. And you yeah. just, you just pray that you're not in that position. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful I was here to, you know, for that. So mm-hmm. anyway, we don't have to go yeah. off on that. Yeah. But, most, yeah. most of the women I've talked to in this podcast are very resilient. They just get up and do it and they get a lot of yeah. accolades. Like, how are you doing it? I mean, you know, this is great. You're so successful. And it's just like, I don't. I don't think about it. I get yeah, up and exactly. I, I just yep. do what I'm supposed to do. And uh, sometimes I do it well. Sometimes I don't. Right. And I'm really a big believer that the key to success in anything is resiliency. Yes. Resiliency. So you fall down 56 times, you get up 57. That's you fall right. down 85, you get up 86. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. If you, I, and yet when we're young, we tend to think we're going to live our whole career without failing. Yeah. Failure would be like, oh, oh no the end of it. Right. And yeah. failure is just a learning experience. And then you get back up and okay, you don't right. do that again. Right. And you just, that's, the, that's the key to success in my yeah. opinion. Just yeah, it is. Sit. And not whine yeah. about it. Just get up and do what just you have get to up do. And do it. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 To wallow on the carpet is, doesn't do anybody any good. You just no. have to get back up and, you know, it's <laughs> true. Yeah. As yeah. we wrap up here, I've got one more question for you. You, okay. you seem to have kind of what I have, which I think is a pretty good, way, and I'm not always right, but I predict kind of where we're going from here in the commercial real estate market. You know, yeah. like a year from now, if you kind of like say, okay, I, I can kind of see how this is going to shape up, you know, based on everything you see and what you think might happen, even five years from now, what would you say, what What are your predictions for the commercial real estate market in the next year to five years? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time talking about this. So I'm, I'm, I have a, I think a pretty clear uh, opinion anyway, for mm-hmm. what it's worth. So I would say, first of all, retail. So, you know, we got all the primary food groups, right? Um, for commercial real estate, right. a retail office. Retail is changing. I mean, it's just changing. Malls will not look like malls in 10 years. I think we all would agree with that concept. So if you've got a mall CMBS loan and it's maturing or something's happening to it, it something needs to happen to it. So there's change in the retail, a lot of the retail for CMBS. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's all going to look, but it's going to be a big change. Change and CMBS don't get along together. So that requires yeah. as opportunity for me to help get the change into the system, right? Mm-hmm. So 25% of CMBS is retail. That's all. Ch- a lot of that is changing. Office. Um, there's so much, who knows how it's going to end up, but so much debate amongst all the people I know that may, that are in the office sector about the hybrid work arrangements and do we need less space or more space or baba you got all these the point is it will change to some degree some of this will change so there's change there change equals opportunity for me and you got the recession okay is it here is it not i don't know and we don't need to get into politics right there's right well i don't know but at some point we will have a downturn if we aren't starting it already we had it again in almost every 10 years, right? 88, yeah. 98, 08. We got delayed because <laughs> of COVID, but we're there. Yeah. So we'll have that. So for me, the next few years equal big opportunity. It is probably, not probably, I'm pretty darn sure it's my last cycle to ride through because I'll be, you know, if, if you go out, set, I'm 65. Okay. So I'd be 70 when uh, this next five years is up. I hope this is the last one I write out and work. 
I'm a little jealous of your retirement if you can't <laughs> tell. <laughs> Water's, there's but water I'm... in the pool. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still have work to do here. And, yeah. You know. Well, you've um, got a son in the business, right? You can just say good I luck. Do. Good luck, Nick. Know. You know, Nick, yeah. uh, take it from here. Yeah. You know, good luck. <laughs> Soon. Not yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So anyway, I think that's what the next few years yeah. is going to look like. There's going to be a lot of shake up, a lot of change. Um, yeah. But like real estate, commercial real estate, it'll always, it's the resiliency. It'll all come back and it'll all just be something different, you know? Yeah, it but, will be. You got to keep yeah. your, uh, you know, eye on the, as Wayne Gretzky says, I play to where the puck's going to be, you know? And, yeah, that's uh, right. Rather than, you know, where I would like it to have been or where the, you know, who moved mm. my cheese kind of thing. So, yeah. I hadn't heard that. That's true. Yeah. That's good. Well, good. And it's been great. I just enjoy you. I Thank relate you. to you mm-hmm. and we've been friends and uh, work. A, uh, yeah. cl- you've been a, I've been a client, I guess, for a long time and you've helped a lot mm-hmm. of my clients. So you do, you're very good at what you do and I admire your the success you've had. Well, thank you. And I admire you too. And I think that's what's made it a good relationship. And I yeah. love, love that we're connected on Facebook. I love seeing the pictures of your two oh, yes. gorgeous grandsons. And thank you. You know, my, yeah. So enjoy that. I know you do. Yes, <laughs> I do. You as well. Me. Yes, yes. Yeah, thank Thanks you. for joining me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leading She. Please check out many other Leading She episodes, which are wonderful. We discuss challenges these accomplished women have overcome in their careers. Please subscribe to this podcast and rate it and review it. Follow Leading She on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have ideas and wisdom for women leaders. 